Hey, welcome to Zio Online. We are so glad that you're joining in right now. We are in a brand new series called Disciple Maker, and right now we are kickstarting week one, and Pastor Matt is going to be preaching today. And so I can guarantee you that you are going to want to make some notes. So this is your time, your opportunity to grab a piece of paper and a pen because there will be scriptures and points that you do not want to miss. So wherever you are listening to uh, or from right now, we just pray that you are going to have a blessed time, but that this message is going to change you as well. Okay. I feel like I need to give a warning at the start of this message today. Is that okay? I'm feeling a bit dangerous today. Yeah, I am. I'm feeling dangerous. Um, you know, when, when we speak God's word, a, in any context, those of us who speak and teach, we, we, we don't do it to have a nice time. We, we don't like, you know, at the end of anyone speaking, like, we don't want people to think, or, or ourselves, as we because you speak the word first to yourself, oh, that was nice. Because if it was nice, we've kind of missed it. When we, when we speak, when we ultimately, when we're unpacking God's word, you would hope in one way or another, it will unsettle all of us. It, it, we hold up God's word to ourselves like a mirror, and we receive the affirmation from heaven about where we're doing well, and we receive a challenge from heaven about where we could do better. And, and then we have the resources of heaven available to do that. God doesn't judge us, condemn us. He convicts us. And he says to us each and every day, there is more for you. And so I just say that, that if I say some things that offend you, um, I could say take it up with Jesus, but that would be, uh, that would be wrong, wouldn't it, to do. But, um, but, but I do feel like we are, and, and it's so, the timing of all these things today feels really significant. And that even that we're on the first day of the month feels significant. Day one, day one, new creation. I, I, I just want to believe this is day one new creation for Zio today. That, that what's happened as we prophetically pray for these people and what I'm about to share is we launch our new Disciple Maker series. And that's our series for the next three months. We're going to look at what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And what does it mean to be a disciple who makes disciples of others? What's that all about? Why is it really important, not just for us, but for the whole of creation? That's what we're going to be looking at and so I want to kickstart uh, with a provocative question, the first of what could be a few provocative things I'm going to say today. Um, but this is the question that we're going to keep coming back to, and it's rhetorical, which means that don't answer it, okay? It's a, it's a question to get you thinking, and the question is this, are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? This time two years ago, we were right in the middle of the very first COVID lockdown. Who remembers that? The very first, you know, it's interesting, like no one else remembers, just a few of us. Um, and uh, in that COVID, first COVID lockdown, a national hero emerged. Do you remember? National hero. His uh, cheery enthusiasm, his passionate conviction inspired millions of people, literally, not just in this country, but around the world. Like, he even had some kind of Jesus look going on with his lovely, attractive beard and his big brown hair. And, and uh, his name was and is Joe Wicks. Thank you. Joe Wicks. Some of you are going, oh. Some of you are like, we were rare. We were there already. 
And so hundreds of thousands of people, literally, in that first lockdown, they started their day, 30 minutes a day, as Joe led his workouts uh, in order, as he called it, to get the nation fitter, both physically fitter and mentally fitter. Now, Joe Wicks had fans, and he had followers. And the followers are those people who really joined in with Joe. They listened to him. They watched him. They, they did what he did. They were committed to him, and they were committed to his message. They literally reoriented their lives around him. They, they changed their homes. Their front rooms became gymnasiums. They realigned their priorities in order to have that time with him, either in the day or, or later on a rerun. They, and they felt the benefit of it. They thought, I'm doing this. I'm throwing myself into this, and it's good for me. Some even claimed, and I was just reading even some recent newspaper articles, people, journalists saying, Joe Wicks changed my life because they were followers of Joe Wick. I was not a follower of Joe Wick, but I was a fan. How could you not be a fan? I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was great. I love what he was doing. I knew it was good. I knew it was a positive thing. I knew it would be good for me to join in with it. And some days, people, I did. Some days, I dabbled. Did anyone dabble with Joe Wicks? Come on now. Ruth, okay, come on now, yeah. A few of us, are there any followers of Joe Wick in the house? My mum was a fo- My mum's the only follower. Becky, were you a follower? Excellent. Good for you, mum. And I dabbled. I mean, I learned from Joe Wicks that a burpee is not a medical condition. It's, a, it's an exercise. It's an exercise. And, and now and again, I would join Joe Wicks doing multiple burpees in two minutes whilst trying to fend off my dog who was thinking, what the heck is he doing? I was thinking a similar thing. What the heck am I doing? But, but it didn't stick. But I liked him. I dabbled now and again. But it didn't become a habit. It wasn't a commitment. It wasn't a practice. So in truth, I didn't really feel the benefit of it. But I am a fan. I'm a big fan of Joe Wicks. But I'm not a follower. I've not reoriented the whole of my life around it. My priorities, my schedule, my home. Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? How can you tell the difference? What does it look like? Why does it matter for you in the world? So we're launching this disciple-making series, and we're going to jump into some of the most famous verses that Jesus ever said, his parting words. If you've got a Bible, then open it up or turn it on to Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. And these are the, these are the last verses of Matthew's gospel, Matthew's account of the historical story of Jesus. Um, Matthew, like Luke, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel writers, the four first books of the New Testament. And Matthew, like Luke, gives the whole story of Jesus' life. He talks about Jesus' birth and his life and his death and his resurrection. And now we have the final words of Jesus before he returns to be with the Father. And just leading up to this point, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's been hanging out with his disciples for about 40 days. And he tells them to meet him on a mountainside, the 11 that remain. And so this is verses 16 to 20, Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Interesting. We'll come back to that. 
Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all these all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These, these verses are called, they would be called that in your Bible, the Great Commission. The Great Commission, although some people say it should be called the Great Omission, because the majority of churches and Christians ignore it. Are we fans or followers of Jesus? And so earlier, like we commissioned Alex and we commissioned these church at home leaders into their new roles and responsibilities. We commissioned them into that. We recognized they had a job to do, a role to go for, and we were saying, go for it. And Jesus is doing that on a mountainside, and yet this is the great one. This is the most important one. He's saying, continue my work, be my body, my hands and feet in the world today. And in these verses, as we think about this Disciple Maker series, Jesus gives four instructions and three assurances. Four instructions and three assurances. I want to put them in your brain, write them on your phone, do something, because this sets the, the foundation for all that we're going to talk about. Here are the four instructions briefly, and then we'll unpack them. Instruction number one, to go. Number two, make disciples. Number three, baptize them. Number four, teach them to obey. To go, to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey. Let me reframe that in another way that's even more simple. He was essentially commanding them to do some befriending, some becoming, some belonging, and some behaving. Some befriending, becoming, belonging, and behaving. So, is everyone, are you still with me? Okay, great, just checking. Okay, firstly, so he commands his followers, not his fans, to go, to go. And let's face it, we're unstuck on this first word. Because for so long now in, in, in the church, probably centuries, we are stuck in a mindset that says, come, come. Come to our Sunday meetings. Come to our events. Come to our groups. Come. But the message of Jesus is go. Now, there's an irony, by the way. I I wasn't sure if I was going to say this, but I am going to say it. um, That for years and years and years, we, we might use language like, you know, let's go to church. And we would all rightfully say, you don't go to church. You are the church. But two years into COVID, we've lost even the ability to go to church. Well, I mean, you're here. Gold star. Well done. Great. We, we've, we've, we've come. But, um, or gone. Depends when you've, where you're leaving. But <laughs> you know where I'm going here. I, I'm just so aware that what COVID has done and lockdown has done is, is it's completely reoriented all of our habits. And, and now, if we engage with Sundays at all online or kind of in church, we're, we're much more now, even in our home life, saying, I think I can just come, come. Church can come to me. Come to me on my TV. Just come, come, come. And yet, even I would say, with that language, go to church, maybe we need to recapture some go to church. Go to gathered. Go to groups. Go to church at home. Although, of course, what Jesus is talking about is a bigger go. That's just another little provocation. 
And we got too comfortable in our own homes that we're not going out of them. Jesus commands us to go. And of course, just to encourage us, this issue of going versus coming was an issue right for the disciples at the beginning. If you look at Mark chapter 1, we haven't got time to get into it all, you know, all of it now, but in Mark chapter 1, verses 32 to 39, revival, it's in the opening few months of Jesus' ministry, and revival has come to Capernaum. Revival has come. Like, it's incredible what's going on. You know, demons are flying out of windows. People are getting uh, healed of their sicknesses. Uh, people are loving Jesus. And, and Jesus then goes off to pray, and he comes back the next day, and Peter says to Jesus, you can look at this at the end of Mark chapter 1, everyone is looking for you, Jesus. And essentially what Peter is saying, let's put up a big tent. Let, let's get everyone to Come to us because, like, we've got it going on here. We don't, we don't need to do anything. And Jesus says, no, we must go. We must go. There are other places. Because going takes more. It demands more of us. And we must go. We, we must go to the places where the needs are. And we must keep going. We must keep traveling. To these places. Go to all nations, Jesus says. The Greek word for nations is ethnos, which means groups, people groups, tribes, families. Jesus is essentially saying, we've all got to go because it's going to take all of us to reach everybody. Like you can't do it by yourself. There are there are people, families, neighborhoods, gym buddies, coffee shops, workplaces that God has planted you in, that he has sent you to, and I am never ever going to meet those people. You are the one, you are the follower of Jesus, and if you don't own that space and recognize that God has planted you in that space wherever it is and you own it and think I'm going to go and I'm going to go in the name of Jesus to do these other things that we're going to look at then those people are going to miss out on the best news in all the world Jesus commands us to go to be with people to be with people who don't know him how amazing he is and and ultimately that's why I'm saying this is about befriending, coming alongside people, listening to them, expressing kindness and compassion to them, finding out what's going on in their world, doing all the loving, compassionate things that Jesus would do. It's about carrying the atmosphere of heaven wherever you go, befriending people, like start there. And again, I'm aware this is a challenge for some of us because, you know, particularly those of us who work for the church full time, if you're not careful, all you do is spend time with, with Christians, and yet the majority of us, that isn't the case. You're in workplaces. You go to the gym. And the next time you do these things, God is saying to you, like, go in my name. Go carrying me, my presence, my atmosphere. Love people. Befriend people. Start there. And then he says, um, make disciples. This is the becoming. Make disciples. Now, this word disciple is the, is the Greek word methetes. And what's interesting is it appears over 250 times in the New Testament, whereas the word Christian only appears three times. 
And so we have this theme running throughout the whole of the New Testament that we are called to be disciples, methetes. And the word is best translated a learner or even better still, an apprentice. Someone who is becoming like Jesus, that they think like Jesus, they feel like Jesus, they speak like Jesus. That essentially if Jesus was living his life through them with the situations and circumstances that they had, that they recognize this is how Jesus would do it if he were me and I want to come into line with that. I want, to come, I want to become more like him in every way. Because ultimately, that's the goal of our lives. The goal of our lives is to become like Jesus. That's the reason that you and I are here to know Christ and become like him. Because the more we become like him, the, the, that is good for us and it's good for the world. Because by the way, Jesus is not battling with anxiety. He's not battling with insecurity. Jesus is not addicted to anything. He's not afraid of anything. He's not even worried about death. I want to be like Jesus. I, I, I want those things as well. And Jesus is full of love and goodness and compassion and kindness and, and, and gentleness and all of these wonderful things, justice and mercy. I want to be like that. To be like Jesus is to be free from the darkness and free for the light. We want to be like Jesus. That's what we're called into. We are people who are going and we're making disciples. We are disciples. We're becoming like Jesus ourselves. And then we're inviting other people to become like him too. There's a befriending. There's a becoming. And then Jesus says there's a belonging. He says, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We, we did a baptism just over a week or so again, didn't we? And we talked about one of the things that Paul talks about in his epistles is that one of the symbols of baptism is that you are baptized into God's family. When Jesus says you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, Jesus is saying we are baptized into God and we're baptized into his family. We, we are saying in baptism, we belong to this family. Look around the room. You're thinking, God, help us. The good news is God will help you, by the way. He will. We are baptized into a family. We belong to each other. We belong to the family of God. God is our perfect father. Jesus, our ever-present elder brother. The Holy Spirit, our empowerer and comforter. And we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the family of God. We are the family of God. We're not inviting people into a club. We're inviting them into a family. And people are longing for community and family. And that's what we're inviting them into, a powerful family. And so if we belong, then an outworking of that belonging is that we want to hang out with God and we want to hang out with the family. Amen? Amen. If you belong to a family, I want to hang out with God, I want to hang out with the family, whether I've got my own personal practices of, of hanging out with God, uh, belonging, or those moments of, of hanging out with the whole family together. A lot of the time people will say to me, they'll come up to me and say, Matt, um, I, I really wanted to chat to you, but, but um, I, I haven't asked you because I know you're busy. And I don't use the B words because in my experience, most people are not twiddling their thumbs. All of our lives are full, aren't they? You know, very few people are just kind of twiddling their, uh, their, their thumbs. So it's not about I'm busy. I just make choices. And those choices are based on what I think are my priorities. And those priorities and choices then fill my time. 
So, so I can't say I'm busy. I've just made choices because we fill our lives with what is really important. So the truth is I cannot say I, I, I don't have time to find 15 minutes a day to just be with Jesus, just hear me in prayer and scripture and being still. I can't say that. The reality is I'm just making choices about whether I think that's important or not. Like, like if I say I can't go to a Zio group in the midweek because I go to the gym three times a week, I'm too busy. No, you're not busy. You've just decided that going to the gym is more important than going to a Zio group. Don't tell me you're busy. You're not busy. You've just made other choices. Like we all make choices. I can't, I can't do a church at home because I've, I've just blocked out. Now that we don't do things on Sunday, I, I've just done other things with my Sunday, so I'm too busy. No, you're not busy. You've just made other choices. And most of the choices you and I make, they're good choices. It's not they're bad choices. But they're our best choices. Let me be a bit provocative. Parents will be upset with me. Sometimes I want to say to young people, get a B in maths and an A in following Jesus. Because I I want our young people to do really, really well at school. I want them to revise. I want them to study. But when that, when, when that overdose of stuff, and I was the same, so I'm not being critical, you know, means that like, I can't come out, I can't connect with the youth, I can't do those things because I've got to study. It is important. But following Jesus is even more important. And at the end of the day, your future, your destiny is not in the hands of your exam results. It's not. Your future and your destiny is in Jesus' hands. And, and the problem is, if, if we overcommit on these things, then actually what we're believing is the opposite. We're believing is, if I don't get all these great marks, then this won't happen and this won't happen. And then it's all on you, young people. It's not all on you. And of course, by the way, just to let you off the hook, us adults, we're even worse. I have to work all these hours. Because we've bought into a consumer model of the big house and the big car and uh, the big job and all those things. And listen, I'm not knocking all that. I battle with these things myself. But let's be honest. There are choices. We live by priorities. And one day we will stand before Jesus. And the movie of our life will play out. And maybe, who knows, the movie of what could have been will play out. And we'll realize we made good decisions, but there were God decisions that we missed. There were God decisions. That's why we're encouraging you to to join a Zio group. Be part of that. Be part of church at home. Have these moments because we're supposed to belong together. We're supposed to do this stuff together. And if you're thinking, well, I'm not going to go because those people drive me nuts. You really need to go. You do, because actually the way we become like Christ is not to hang out with everyone we agree with and get on with. The way we become like Christ is to come alongside people who drive us a bit nuts. The Holy Spirit starts to change us. We start to see them with his loving eyes. We start to have more compassion, think the best of them. We understand their story and why they're like this, and they start to think the same about us. Iron sharpens iron, the scripture says. Belonging. Fourthly, then, Jesus says, there is uh, teaching these new disciples to obey Jesus. And this is where the rubber hits the road. Then there's a behaving. Because this is the difference, really, between fans and followers. A behaving. This is, this is where all of us, including me, we can start off as followers and then we just start becoming fans. 
Because fans of Jesus are selectively obedient. They filter the way of Jesus in accordance with their own preferences. That's good, that's good, that's good. I'll take that. Oh, no, that, no, that's not going to work for me. Whereas followers of Jesus are sacrificially obedient. They adapt their life in according with the way of Jesus. And notice that I said they're sacrificially obedient because it's costly. It's costly. I've said so many times, you will only ever know that Jesus is really Lord of your life if you want to go one way and he wants you to go the other way and you go his way. That's, it's the only way that you'll really know if he's really the Lord and boss of your life. If you want to go one way and he wants you to go another way, you choose his way. Do you know God has a love language? God has a love language. A guy called Gary Chapman a few years ago, he talked about love languages and quality time, physical touch, gifts and things. Well, God has a love language. He has a way of knowing that you love him. And Jesus says God's love language is obedience. This is what Jesus says, John 14, 15. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. If you really love me, do what I've said. And Jesus isn't saying this as some kind of tyrannical overlord. What he says to us to do, the ways of behaving that he's given us, are for our good. They they, they actually do us good. They bring light and life into our lives. There's a befriending the world. There's a becoming like Jesus. There is a belonging to the family. And there is a behaving like Jesus. And if you're anything, anything like me in this moment, you'll be thinking like, oh man, I can't do any of that. I'm probably, I'm, I'm a fan then, I'm a fan. Well, let me just say something. Three things, three amazing assurances that Jesus gives in this. Did you notice that verse 16, I paused on it. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Like, What? What? You just saw him crucified, risen from the dead, appear in rooms that were locked. I'm not sure about him, really. I don't know if he is. In other translations, it says some hesitated. They hesitated. But I'm so pleased those verses are there, aren't you? Because sometimes I doubt. Sometimes I wonder. And, and so what this first assurance Jesus gives is because he speaks to the doubters. He chooses the doubters, not just the diehards, not the ones who's like, we're in, we never doubt. He's talking to the doubters, giving them this great commission. This is about his grace. He chooses all of us because of his grace. And, and then in verse 18, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Jesus then says, look, unlimited Power and authority is mine. I'm going to say that again. That deserves a Pentecostal reaction. (laughs) Jesus says, unlimited power and authority and supernatural and miraculous and everything, lightning, energy, everything is mine. Okay. And what he means by that is, therefore, it is yours. It is yours. And so he chooses us by his grace, but his spirit gives us power. Of course you can't do any of these things. I can't do any of these things. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to befriend people when we lack courage, to become like Jesus more and more, to belong to the family when we want to do our own thing, to behave more like him in the everyday moments. And then the final assurance he gives right at the very end, and he says, I am with you 
always to the very end of the age. And so Jesus is saying to you and I today, I will never, ever, 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 ever leave you. You can ignore me, but you cannot forsake me. I will never leave me. You cannot escape me. Jesus says, I am with you. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his presence and he calls us by grace. I'll never, ever leave you. And so just before we pray, in a moment, I'm going to ask as part of our response, we're going to be taking communion. I'm going to ask, maybe there are people here who for the first time want to give their life to Jesus and say, I want to become a follower of Jesus. That is a good decision. But, but let, let me just say something around, around that. Following Jesus is not about a decision you've made. It's about a decision you make every single day. It's about decisions, not a decision. And so, like, you know, in the past, probably in this church, other churches, you know when, the, you know, we do this thing called, it's called, if you're new to church, like sometimes it's called an altar call. Come forward and we'll pray for you to get to know Jesus. Okay? It's only been happening the last couple of hundred years. Jesus never did it. I, we, we do it here. It's not a bad thing. It's just not a biblical thing. It just didn't happen in the Bible. Because people just, Jesus said, come with me and we're just going on a journey. Because it wasn't about a moment. It was about repeated decisions all the time to follow Jesus. And so sometimes, like, you know, when we, at this church, sometimes we, we look about, and oh, oh, so-and-so's up again. Oh, you know, you get those people, they just come up every time, don't they? Come on. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, some of you are thinking, oh, that's me, actually. I'm always the one when there's a little invitation, come to know Jesus. I'm all the one. You've got it right. You've got it right. In a sense, when we create ministry moments in this church where we're saying, like, if anyone needs to get closer to Jesus, if anyone needs a prayer... Every single person should be responding. Every single person should be responding. It's not about a decision. It's about decisions. Every single tomorrow, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to say, you know what? I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. And then something's going to happen in the day and it's going to challenge me. And maybe I'm going to snap at Amy or what have you. And I've got a decision to make. Am I going to follow Jesus in that moment? It's not about a decision. It's about decisions decisions every day to follow him in the power of the Holy Spirit with his grace and that with he's with us and how wonderful that he's with us that when you make a bad decision Jesus doesn't go well I'm just going to leave you just for a little bit just let you stew over there and you have naff decisions when you make those terrible decisions Jesus puts his arm around you and I know you're an idiot because <laughs> he does we, we, but, but I love you and I forgive you. More of my spirit. Let's go again. Let's make a better decision. And so I'm going to invite you to make some decisions today. And um, to put these things into practice. Are you ready? Yes. Is everyone ready? Okay, here, here you go. I'll put this on email later this week. Will we be a true follower of Jesus? Not just a fan. And so what does the befriending thing mean? What would it look like if all of us said, in the month of May, I'm going to try to intentionally spend 15 minutes a week with someone who doesn't know Jesus? 15 minutes a week. 
Now, most of us in work context and other things, and, and, and you're with those people, but I'm talking about an intentional, I'm not talking about preaching at people, but just a real intentional being with someone, talking to someone. Could be someone in a, the, the person you talk to in the coffee shop, just getting into a conversation, just being good news. Like, you know, don't, don't be weird. You know, don't, you know, if they say, oh, I was really cross the other day, don't go, let me tell you about a cross. <laughs> don't do that. That's just weird. But befriend people and see if they open up their hearts and lives. Jesus told us we're going to be looking. Like There's so many questions I've got about how we do all this, and that's what we're going to look at. But one of the things that Jesus told us to pray for people of peace, people who we talk to and their, their hearts are open. Don't be weird. Befriend people 15 minutes a week. Can you do that? So some of us, that will be a big challenge. We don't know any Christians. That's the challenge. Just go. Go. Befriend someone. And then on the becoming, can you, can you commit to 15 minutes a day to be with Jesus? Like we've, we've got prayer exercises. Can you find those 15 minutes? If you can't do that, start with five, but embrace a daily practice of becoming more like Jesus. The best way to become more like him is to hang out with him. And then on the belonging, belonging. In order to keep the fires of faith alive, and keep learning and growing. We need moments like this. We need a bit of church at home and a sprinkle of Zio groups. Yeah. That's about four hours a week. And I know we're really busy. And, and, and let me be clear, we do that stuff in order so that we can do all the other stuff well. The mission's out there, not in those groups, okay? But we, we commit to those things because we wanna be prepared and ready for action in the world. You know, the early church met every single day. Can we find four hours a week? That's part of our belonging. So sign up today. I've sent another link out. Sign up today to groups and church at home. And then on this behavior thing, let's, let's choose, ask the Holy Spirit to help us make these daily decisions. That when we want to go one way, he wants us to go the other and we choose his way. And that God give us the courage to do that. To do that. Ben, do you want to come up? Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? If you think about it, the reason that you're here today is 11 people on a mountaintop 2,000 years ago heard this commission and they said yes. And... From then, disciples made disciples, 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 and then you. You're only here. Knowing Jesus because someone came before you. And you've been given a gift. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't let the baton drop when God has put you with this huge, vast swarm of people. And he may be saying to some of you, if you don't, no one will. No one will. Go into all groups of people. And make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. 
and teach them to obey. And I am with you always. We are praying and believing that God is calling us to be a disciple-making movement. Disciples who make disciples. But it starts with the first yes. So we're going to do this yes in different ways. Um, and we're going to, these guys are going to sing. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take communion together. So we have this last 15 minutes together. And so these guys are going to uh, play this uh, song and we're going to worship. And, and communion is our reminder, first of all, that Jesus broke his body on the cross and shed his blood so that you could be forgiven and free from sin and death and could be restored into eternal life-giving relationship. And Jesus invites every one of us to the table, to the table. And so a first great response, everything's broken up individually, is that as we, as we sing this song in response, go to one of these areas and take the bread and thank Jesus that he saved you and that he loves you take the wine just make that your first response and then um, we'll see what happens next okay is that right should we stand together Lord Jesus we just pray now in these next 10 or 15 minutes that you will just do something really wonderful in this place wonderful in this place Lord Lord as we respond both in song but in movement you're calling us to move and Lord we want to move because we know that you have good things, better things for us. So Heavenly Father, just come right now. Separate wheat from chaff in what I've said. Deepen your word in our hearts, I pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So as we start singing this, feel free to join in, but just come. Come, come to the table. The table that speaks of love and sacrifice. The table that reminds you that God is for you and God is with you. Amen. Now, we're going to make a prayer response now. And what we're talking about today, it matters so much, friends. Literally, people's lives are at stake. Their destinies are at stake. Both sides of heaven. God has an absolute best plan and purpose for everyone this side of death. And a glorious hope and future on the other side of it. The only thing we can take to heaven with us is people. Can't take your job. Can't take your house. Can't take your exam results. Can't take any of those things. The only thing you can take is people. It's all about people. People joining in with what God is doing. And so I, I want to invite us to make two decisions. One for some people, one for another. First decision is this. Like, maybe today is the decision for you to say, yes, I, I do want to follow Jesus. It's the first time I've made that decision. I'm going to make it lots of times, but it's the first time I make that decision. I, I want to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior and the rescuer of my life. I want to become like Him. I want to belong to Him both now and for all eternity still got questions and doubts but I want to decide for him and if that's you in a moment I'm going to ask you to be really really brave and come out of your seat and come here next to me so I can pray for you because if you can't make a move here and a stand here you'll never make it out in the world so you've got to be brave this is important this is important come out of your seat and, uh, and come here and then for the rest of us 
Like if, if you really feel like God's spoken to you about challenges and priorities and all that kind of stuff, then I, I'm going to invite you as we, as we sing this song to, to almost kind of just literally reach out your hands more than you would ever before. As your way of saying, God, this is me. I'm putting my hand up to you to say, sorry, that I was living by a different set of priorities. I was more a fan than a follower. And, and maybe with questions and doubts and fears, I've heard you today and I pray that you would fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit and change me. Help me to be a disciple of Jesus who in the years to come will make disciples of others for my good, for their good, for the good of the whole world. Help me to make that decision and keep to that decision every day. So if it's a first-time decision, come and join me here. And then as we continue just in worship in this song, and I want you to, as you do that, we just want to be praying that the Holy Spirit will come and just fill you and assure you and work at you and charge you and do something in you. Don't do it because everyone else is doing it. Do it if this is your personal conviction. If you generally feel, no, I am good, great. Just decide again to follow Jesus in this moment. Amen. So we're going to keep singing this song. And I just want to encourage you, use this song as your response as we, um, as we uh, continue in our time together, just for a few more minutes. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Let's do it. I'll be here.
We do want to be with you. Church, just before we start to prepare to close, just two things that I feel the Holy Spirit's just impressed on my heart. I saw a picture of lots of flags, and all these flags were at different kind of heights. And I felt, as I asked the Lord what that was about, was that there are so many decisions that we make in our life, like Matt said, where we raise the standard here, in this area of our life. We raise the standard here. We're going to raise the standard of what we do in work. We're going to raise the standard of what we do with regards to finance. We're going to raise the standard of what we do in this and that. And then um, the lowest flag was the Lord. And I just felt that the Lord was saying, and, and it's the same challenge for me today as well, that there has to be a lowering of certain standards in our lives where we just haven't let the Lordship of Christ and His reign and His authority be the highest thing. Now that requires a reprioritizing of our hearts and our minds. It requires a reprioritizing of what we think most matters. And yes, we have a responsibility to, you know, do well in all areas of our lives. Don't get mishear me. But if the Lord isn't the highest standard in our life, if he isn't the highest flag that is the point and the very reason as to why we do all of the rest of the things, then friends, we fall short of the beauty and the awesomeness and the lordship of what God wants to do in every single part of your life. So I want to encourage you, if that speaks to you today, do two things. Don't rush away, get some prayer. And secondly, just ask the Lord to help you to raise the standard of his lordship in your life so that he is the highest flag. And then by his grace and by his help, assess all the other flags and just put them to the right priority and to the right level of decision. If that resonates with you today, as it does me, get prayer. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be the leadership team. It doesn't have to be Matt. Turn to the person next to you. Just simply say, Lord, be the highest point in my life. And finally, before we pray to close the service today, I want to tell you that the reason I stand on this stage today is because of someone else who faithfully led me to the Lord. 
because of their bravery, because of their courage, because of their intentionality to give me time to consider that I was worth the investment, to consider that the story and the beauty of Jesus Christ could land in my heart, that's why I stand. Friends, why are you here? Who first told you the story of Jesus? Who first bravely dipped into their own finances, stepped away from fear, stepped away from concern about what it might look like, and brought you to a place of belief. Thank them right now. But do them justice, and more importantly than that, do the Lord justice by reproducing what they did. I would not be here if it was not for multitudes of people sharing, drop it, nuggets, moments of Jesus. You would not be here if it was not for those same people. So remember who they are in Christ. Bless them. And friends, if they're still with you, if they are still in relationship with them, if they're not already walking with the Lord in victory, I want you to message them today or phone them. Firstly, thank them. And then secondly, say, how did you do it? What did you need to overcome? And then ask them to pray for you that you would then go do the same. Amen? I want to do that, God. I have more to learn. We're lifelong learners. Friends, why don't you just put out your hands as we close in the service today. There's a demonstration that says, wow, what a Sunday. We thank you, God, for all you've done in our time together today. But we thank you, God, that as this is the start of a new month, it's the start of a new week, Lord God, that actually, as we've heard the analogy before, this is just the garage time. But now it's time to go, Lord. And Lord, for whatever we do, as we are going, as we are going, Lord God, we pray that that great commission, your final words, would live out in us this afternoon, would live out in us on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, until we gather again. Lord, we commission ourselves to be your going church, to be your scattered church, Lord Jesus, to share anywhere and everywhere you, your extravagant love, your beautiful grace. We raise the standard of your Lordship in our life. We decrease the standards and the flags that have been previously our priority and our decisions. And we go with you. We bless your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening and joining in this week's message. May God bless you and propel you into this new week. And remember that you are never alone and that Jesus loves you unconditionally. And as we just heard in this message right now, you know that you are chosen, you are appointed to share the good news to all around you. So be encouraged as you've just listened to this message, be encouraged that you are placed and that God's love in you can shine to all the people around you. And so have a blessed week and join in and we'll see you on the next one.